Bradleys, and welcome to another edition of LGBT in the Ring, your rainbow bastion for all things pro wrestling. I am your host, Brian Bell, back here once again on the Outsports Podcast Network, and I'm not going to lie, I'm feeling pretty damn good today. <laughs> um, I... I am at a point in my elimination diet where I can add citrus back in so I can enjoy some yummy lemon avocado ice cream. Yes, I am that extra, extra. Um, I, I don't know, I have my nice coffee right here. I don't know, I'm just feeling very appreciative of the small things today for some reason. It's very, it's very nice. It's a good change of pace. But we're not here for that. We're here to talk about pro wrestling. We're here for some f- yummy pro wrestling discussion. And we have plenty of that for you today here on LGBT in the Ring because Daniel Trainer is back uh, to help me run through l- this past Sunday's Money in the Bank pay-per-view from WWE, a match that featured, or a show that featured, rather, a match that took place in WWE's corporate headquarters in Stamford, Connecticut, um, which included uh, pictures being busted, a woman choking a man out, and multiple people getting thrown off the roof of a a 7 to 10 story building. It's odd that that number is in dispute, but still, uh, people were thrown off a roof in a wrestling match. Uh, yeah, we'll, we get in, we'll get into that, but uh, before we get into that discussion, I did want to highlight a couple of things per wrestling-wise outside of Money in the Bank. Um, through the course of my discussion with Daniel that we recorded earlier this week, um, we did touch very slightly on the intercontinental title situation in WWE right now because um, current champion, or I guess now former champion, uh, Sami Zayn, um, was, is currently quarantining, not coming to Orlando to participate in WWE's taping schedule um, due to concerns over COVID-19. And you know, that's something that the company has been very vocal about, saying that if anybody was not comfortable coming to the Performance Center to record programming because of the pandemic, that they that, that is perfectly fine. They are willing. They are perfectly fine to stay home, and that they wouldn't suffer any repercussions. Which makes it very interesting that Sami Zayn was stripped of the Intercontinental Title earlier today. And that now that title is going to be held up for a tournament that's going to take place on SmackDown um, over the next few weeks. Uh, but it's, it's an interesting development because yes, titles in pro wrestling they have varying degrees of of meaning, um, and it's been fair to say that the Intercontinental Title itself has lost a little bit of luster um, in recent years, just based off of you know booking and, and that sort of thing, but. It's an it's an interesting development that they would strip Sammy of the title whenever they have a similar situation going on with the Cruiserweight Championship in NXT, where they have made a big hullabaloo about holding this round-robin tournament to crown an interim NXT Cruiserweight Champion. The first time, a bunch of firsts, the first time that WWE has crowned an interim champion, the first time that WWE has held a round-robin-style tournament, a la the Best of the Super Juniors over in New Japan, to crown said champion. Um, and all this because Jordan Devlin, the current champion, is stuck in Ireland and can't come to the States to defend that championship due to 
the pandemic. So it's interesting that they're willing to keep the belt on him and hold an, a tournament to crown an interim champion. Meanwhile, Sammy has his belt stripped, and they're not even going to like try and pretend that there's an interim champion here. They're just going to crown a new champion and then keep going. And who knows, maybe whenever things get back to where they can, where Sammy feels comfortable going to recordings again, then maybe they'll dial that into a storyline and we'll have you know a real champion versus a fake champion or however they want to position that sort of thing. It's happened before in WWE. Um, but I don't know, it's just very interesting to... to, uh, to try and wrap your head around the thinking of why go this route with Devlin but go a completely different route with Sammy. And it's it's brought up some questions regarding um, you know, WWE's opinions when it comes to Sammy Zayn. Sammy Zayn is a very vocal man um, in terms of his personal beliefs and his personal politics about stuff. Um, Sammy's one of the people that doesn't go to the Saudi Arabia shows. One, because Saudi Arabia won't allow him there because of his Syrian descent. Um, and two, even if I'm pretty sure, based off of what he stated online, if he was able to go to Saudi Arabia, he would probably decline that invitation based off of um, his personal convictions. So, I don't know. It's interesting because, like, Devlin... I don't know. Devlin's not nearly as vocal about these sort of things at least in the public sphere, um, as Sami Zayn is. So it really calls into question why perhaps WWE felt they needed to strip Sami of his championship and make a big hullabaloo about it. Um, and Sami isn't really, I don't know, in character or not in character is not necessarily taking it well. Um, you know, still sees himself as the champion, which honestly, I, who can blame the guy? So we'll see how that all works out, but for now, Sami Zayn is a former Intercontinental Champion, and we'll crown a new one in the next few weeks, and we'll see, we'll see what happens, I mean, eventually, eventually Sami's going to be back on WWE programming, and we'll just have to wait and see how it plays out. Um, one thing we don't need to wait and see, though, which is another thing that we touched on in the conversation with me and Daniel, is Becky Lynch is pregnant. Becky Lynch is going to be taking an extended leave of absence from the ring. Who knows when she's going to come back, if she comes back, but um, us here at LGBT in the ring will just send out some congratulations to her and Seth Rollins. That's awesome news. And it built uh, a very heartwarming, real moment on WWE programming. What's something that you don't get all that often? And, and it was really awesome to see. Um, and then one more thing before we jump into the conversation about Money in the Bank. Um, I do want to extend um, some thank yous before uh, on this end of the show uh, for people who contributed to a piece that I put up last week regarding uh, a matter of pride co-founder Rick Cataldo and accusations of sexual assault and harassment against him. Um, that piece was months in, in the making and would not have been possible to have been put together without um, some very strong and courageous people being willing to come forth and, and tell their stories. Um, regarding Rick and, and their experience with him. And, you know, I, I just want to say here publicly uh, thank you to 
to Ryan Z and Connor Claxton and Alley Cat uh, and uh, the fan Fabio or Fabial, sorry, <laughs> um, for for trusting me with their stories and being willing to to open up about traumatic events like that um, because trauma is a is a fickle beast and it's one that um, has the power to to really silence you and you know that <laughs> being willing to speak so openly about something like that um, and trust me with with those stories and, and those experiences um, that that showed true power um, so you know any kudos that I get pass it right along to them for for that article that that's not possible without them they deserve the praise for being able to stand up and let their voice be heard um, yeah just amazing amazing stuff um, that being said though let's get into something that may or may not be amazing money in the bank 2020 What's up, guys, gals, and non-binary pals? Welcome back to LGBT in the Ring. And this week, we have a uh, another pay-per-view to cover in the WWE sphere. We uh, got the chance to watch a number of pro wrestlers, uh, I guess, quote-unquote, as WWE described it, climb the corporate ladder because the risk is worth the reward. I only know those phrases because they were beaten into me constantly by the by the um the advertising for the show. We had probably the oddest rendition of money in the bank that we have seen yet. And you know who who comes on this show to talk about WWE pay-per-views with me. And I we actually might have uh, predicted some of this stuff happening uh where we talked about WrestleMania 36. Daniel Trainer, uh, now of pro wrestling sheet fame, <laughs> uh, oh, is back oh, on the yeah. show. Yes, very famous. <laughs> Hello, back, Brian. Daniel. How are you? I am doing How's well. I have. I'm doing all right. I have my coffee. I'm perking up a bit. Yeah, no, me too. Hmm. I like it. I like that people are listening, and uh, you know, hopefully, they have a drink in hand as well. Just listening to two pals talk about attempted murder. Yeah. God, Jeez, I, 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 can't, I don't even have a response to that right now. It's just, I just don't even know what to say. Um, that is what we saw. It is definitely what we saw. We definitely saw people get thrown off of roofs at a pro wrestling show. I think uh, last week on, on this show, I made a reference to Halloween Havoc 95, and I didn't realize exactly how prophetic that was going to be. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, here we are. You know, some things just never change in the world of pro wrestling. You see, I, I, you know, if you're a wrestler, I just don't think you should be going up on a roof, even if there is a briefcase up there. Just something bad is bound to happen. No, that that risk is not worth the reward that comes with it. <laughs> like, there's only bad things that can happen when you go on a roof yes. at a pro wrestling event. Oh God. But um, yeah, we're here to to run through. Money in the Bank from uh, this past Sunday, a svelte two and a half hour show <laughs> that actually 
felt well good. that was great i love oh, yeah. that it was it was, i i loved i mean you know obviously the, the card was uh was pretty short and then obviously both money in the bank matches happening at the same time you know i i love that i mean give me these short pay-per-views especially with the circumstances we're under now i mean the shorter the better i think no i completely agree like i was very pleased with the, with the length there because let's be frank like outside of the the money in the bank match there really wasn't a ton of build behind a lot of stuff i mean drew and seth probably had the 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 best kind of like program heading into this outside of the the money in the bank match itself but outside of that like a lot of the papers you felt just kind of mishmashed in a lot of ways um yeah but you know i had I don't know. That's kind of par for the course with these like post WrestleMania pay per views, though. Sometimes like they can just feel like there's really only one or two big things rolling out of it. Not to mention you throw in the the situation with the pandemic. Like it's just it just I don't know. It just didn't feel. I, I'll be frank. It didn't feel like a pay per view when I was watching it. it yeah, I, yeah, I agree. Yeah, um, but before we get to that, we have much bigger news that actually is more recent from Mon- from Monday Night Raw last night, um, as we were recording this on Tuesday. Um, Becky Lynch is pregnant. Becky Woo! Lynch and Seth Rollins are having a baby. And with it's very that, exciting, I have it's to say, very yeah. You know, it's, yeah, it, you know, it's funny that just the timing of this all. I mean, you know, not that Becky's been around uh, a ton in recent weeks, obviously, but it's like, <laughs> you know, they're already down so many, so many big names, you know, they're without Roman, they're without, you know, a who's who of other people. And now, you know, their biggest female star, arguably maybe their, maybe their biggest star, you know, men or women on the roster right now is going to be gone for upwards of a year. It's like, I mean, just the timing of all this stuff is, uh, is so interesting, but yeah, I'm so happy for them. And and the moment last night, which I'm sure you're about to touch on was, uh, was really quite special. It really was like, it was completely different than a lot of things that we see on pro wrestling programming. I mean, very rarely do you really get a, like, true sense of like these real people the people behind these characters actually being in the ring and and having these interactions with one another asuka like just flipping a light switch from manic screaming awesome i now am the champion asuka to real to the realization that of what becky just said like and and then hugging and the tears and just like it was one of those like very rare real moments that you see yeah, in pro wrestling, and it was heartwarming, and it was accentuated even more so whenever you saw Dumpy Seth Rollins come out later on in the <laughs> night. <laughs> Still in character, like I loved it. I I I I love yeah, I love what Seth is doing right now. We'll we'll get into his match on Sunday, but I I think he's doing some really interesting good stuff right now, and thank God because they certainly need it on these three hour raws, but uh. Yeah, he he was so funny coming coming out looking all disheveled and it was just fun. I thought Raw last night was actually from start to finish. I mean, these shows are so bizarre, but I thought there were more hits or misses last night than uh, than we've been used to in the past uh, in the past couple of months. I think you know they're starting to add some interesting progression to stuff. You know this this announcement that you know there's going to be some brand crossover now. Uh, 
I don't know. I don't hate. I mean, you know, whatever we can do to make these shows better in the interim, I think is fine. I mean, you know, we're getting Baron Corbin against Drew McIntyre next week, which is sort of not what I would have hoped for. But um, <laughs> I think in the long run, I think, it, I think it's probably the right idea. Um, and yeah, I think last night there was some energy and some intrigue to Raw for the for the first time in a while that that sort of piqued my interest and at least got me excited to watch you get next week. Yeah, and I mean, a lot of that did really center around the, I think a lot of the, the push for people to view uh, last night's show was centered around the Becky announcement. Um, yeah. Uh, and it, it, it makes me wonder exactly, like, it, we'll look at what the rating looks like. We'll look at the, the viewership whenever it comes out. Later yeah, today, I know. I'm, we'll inter- I'm interested in that, too. Yeah, but at the end of the day, like, I don't know if that number is necessarily reflective of things going forward, just because... Like you got, you had the Becky announcement. That was the thing I think that drove a lot of people to watch this show. And then she's gone. <laughs> she's gone for right. like at, at least a year. We don't even know yeah. if she's going to come back. You know, she might, right. she might not come back. Um, no, I mean, so yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it, it will be interesting to see the ratings breakdown too, hour by hour, because I do think a lot of people probably be tuned in off the top. And uh, and probably trickled out from there on out. But yeah, I think you're probably right. I think there might be a spike for last night, and it'll probably just uh, go right back down next week because I can't imagine too many people are going to be excited about tuning in to to see Baron Corbin on uh, on Mondays now. Isn't that exciting? Hooray! I mean, he, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he did throw some people off a roof, so at least maybe now that he has like a new, maybe that's his gimmick now. Yes, yeah. Yeah, he's a murderer. That's his yes. new gimmick. He tries to well, kill I mean, people. He, he did. He did throw Elias off of the perch. So. Yeah, I know. I know. It was like it was funny. Like I almost I was watching like I think on Raw last night when they were showing highlights from the men from the Money in the Bank match itself. I like so much happened in that match that I like almost bias came back during that match i was like oh god that's right he was involved but yeah i mean baron is just like uh, maybe that's his new thing yeah he just throws people off of things so i I, we'll see what he can throw drew off of i think he's going to be a bit harder than the than those other three but uh yeah we'll see can't wait to find out yeah only time will tell when it comes to that but let's get into money in the bank because while there wasn't a long show to talk about. There's plenty to talk about um, within some of these matches. Um, I guess we can start off with the pre-show. Uh, Jeff Hardy and Cesaro. Um, I thought it was a pretty good match. Like, you know, just kind of your run of the mill. I don't know necessarily why these two were thrown were facing each other based off of like you're building a Jeff Hardy Sheamus feud. And then we threw Cesaro in there, I guess, because they used to be tag team partners, even though they haven't really been tied together for over a year at this point. <laughs> um, but the match itself was fine. Like, it was cool to see Jeff Hardy back for the first time in a while. And, you know, you forget how much, like, Jeff Hardy, like, how good Jeff Hardy is, I think, the whenever he's gone for these long absences, whether it's injury or, or drug related stuff or yeah. like anything like that. So I enjoyed the match. Um, what say you? Yeah. I mean, those two guys are always going to do something pretty good. I think I, I don't know. I don't know why this was on the kickoff show. Like I think, 
maybe kickoff should have been, I mean, we'll get into it, but whatever the sort of our truth MVP mess was would have been, you know, sort of maybe better suited for a kickoff show spot. I mean, you have the, you have Jeff Hardy coming back who really is probably one of the most recognizable names in the company to average fans. Um, and you're sticking him on the kickoff show. Um, I don't quite understand that, but, um, and I'm, I'm always bummed that Cesaro just always gets put there because I, I am such a fan of his and it feels like he's just relegated to kickoff show matches, but yeah, it was good. I mean, I, 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 I'm interested to see what they do with Jeff. I just personally sort of feels like uh, he might be due for, for something big here in this next, in this next push, as long as he can, you know, sort of stay out of trouble and keep himself clean and do what he needs to do. I think he might be in for a big push and, you know, Cesaro, I'm, I'm always angling for that. Actually, it was fun. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I think it probably should have been on the main card if they're really uh, going to be pushing Jeff the way that I think they're going to. No, I I completely agree. I hadn't even really thought about that because, like, yeah, like if so for your comeback match, it's like, yeah, he's been on SmackDown. He's shown up on SmackDown, but he hasn't wrestled yet. And having yeah. him have his first match back be on the pre-show whenever you carve out a slot for whatever that R-Truth segment was meant to be or turned out to be like yeah it just didn't make th- those two things maybe should have been flipped yeah i was just gonna say i mean like i don't know i i don't really know what the purpose of the kickoff show is especially now i mean i think you know initially it's supposed to be this free thing that you can watch anywhere they're supposed to entice you to buy the show and i guess maybe that's or or, or just the network in general i guess and i guess maybe that's still the thinking is let's throw these guys on here to put on a good match but like i don't know how many people are actually watching the kickoff show who are like hmm maybe i'll watch money in the bank tonight let me see what the kickoff show has in store for. i don't like i just don't know that that's happening yeah no i i don't think that's happening much either and and really like i always use the pre-show as like something for like the fans that are there early you know as fans are coming in and and doing shows in empty arenas like there's really no reason to have a pre-show match or a pre-show at all yeah it is yeah it is very strange it is very strange yeah well, Jeff Hardy gets the win there. Good to see him. Hopefully onto bigger and better things. Once they figure out what they're doing with the Intercontinental title, maybe he'll get thrown back into that picture. Uh, who knows? Yeah. Um, but that does lead us into the pay-per-view proper, which opens with um, probably the one match that gave me the most worry, not necessarily because of what happened in the match, but just the sheer fact that um, we had nine people in the like around the ring in the match, plus a referee, plus the <laughs> announcers, plus all the camera crew. Like it was the it was the worst social distancing match. Yeah, there are a lot of bodies out there. Yeah, so it was a fatal four way for the tag, SmackDown tag team titles. We had the New Day defending against uh, Lucha House Party, um, the Miz and Morrison, and <sighs> the Forgotten Sons. We haven't talked about the Forgotten Sons on this on this show much. I'm yeah, curious. I wish I just... could. Sorry. I wish I could. I was gonna say I wish I could forget them. But, uh... <laughs> well, I guess that answers my question because I was just about to ask like your opinion about them <laughs> before we get into the match. Uh, I hate them. I hate them, and I I wish that they would go away. Um, 
you know, whatever. I don't think that they're uh, particularly good people. Their gimmick is stupid. I don't really even know what it is. They are just like so run of the mill. They don't interest me at all. So uh, I don't know. It, it, I sort of assume that they're just going to fall into the trap of being one of these tag teams that is, you know, on on Raw or SmackDown and, you know, wrestles a few times and fades away. And then you're like, oh, yeah, remember the Forgotten Sons? What happened to them? And then you realize they've been like, wrestling on main event for two months and then you know they get released in the next sort of round of releases that's what i hope happens to them if i'm being honest um the match itself though i thought was uh was quite good it's it, it's so difficult to to gauge and to judge any of this stuff just with, with no crowd around i mean it's it's almost unfair to say that i sometimes i i try to picture that there is a crowd because <laughs> it's like they it's a, a, a hot crowd helps you get into a match so much and it helps you really judge the beats of a match, the ebbs and flow. Um, you know, you really miss it in a match like this where that's pretty spot heavy, um, where there's a lot of sort of near falls. It would have been so much more fun. But with that being said, I thought the match was, uh, was really, really good. I mean, I, I, you know, New Day, Lucha House Party and Miz and Morrison are always fun. Uh, Forgotten Sons were there. I mean, Lucha House Party, I, I'm, I've always been just a big fan of of those guys, all three of those guys, and then on Sunday of of Lindsay and and Grand Metalik. I was I was hoping that they were going to uh, surprise win. I I just think they're always so reliable and so good. I mean, I don't think WWE will ever run with them just because you know I think they look at them as these like lucha guys who you know aren't good on the mic or whatever. But I think that they're I mean they're always so good they're so reliable they're so much fun to watch i thought they were the stars of that match um and it was really fun it was a it was a great it was a great opener i i really enjoyed it no i'm right there with you this was probably my second favorite match on the night um the 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 quick pace the the action the the high risk stuff that's that spanish fly from the post to the floor where everybody crashing like these moments work so much better in an arena where people can, the crowd can feed off of it and then they can feed off the wrestlers can feed off of that, that response to these things, which makes it all the more impressive to me that they were able to still like keep up the, the pace and the, uh, excuse me real quick. Yeah. Very, the clogged throat. Um, and the uh, the the pace and the the action and the um like all the the the, the spots and keeping the tension high with the with the near falls like all that stuff still landed very very well and it's impressive to do that whenever you're basically out there doing all this stuff to silence. Um, yeah, I really Grand Metalik to me is probably one of the most underserved people on that roster. I love Lindsay. Yeah. I love Kalisto. I love Lucha House Party as a unit. Grand Metal League is a guy like I, I watched him in CMLL before he came here. And he was masterful there. When he the Cruiserweight Classic, I always go back to to his matches in the Cruiserweight Classic. Like watching him in that tournament, you see a guy who could be a legit star in this company. And then it really pains me to see what they they've decided to do with him. I'm glad that he's still getting yeah. that he's still getting paid and that he's like, you know, he still has a, a spot there, clearly. But he showed what he can do last night. And it was the, really the first time I've seen him show exactly what his, the, the top of his ability can be since the Cruiserweight Classic. 
Um, yeah. That's a guy that you that, that you have to you have to find something for him on on, on this. Like whether it's keeping him in the tag team or like letting Kalisto and Lince go for the belts and send him for the IC belt. Just do something with Grand Metalik. The dude is far too talented, and he showed it last night. And he's probably going to keep showing it the more that you keep them around in in this title picture. Um, but yeah, yeah that I agree. I mean, if not now, yeah. if not now, when you know, it's like I, I think they're so hesitant to maybe push those guys because I do think that the crowd does struggle to get behind them. At least, sort of your average sort of mainstream wrestling fan doesn't really connect to them for you know a number of reasons, maybe uh, maybe good or bad. But it, it, I I. Th- you don't have to worry about them winning anybody over they just get to go out there and, and show how how crazy athletic they are um and put on great matches week in week out i mean i think they should i think it's an opportunity to really showcase those guys i mean there there are other ones we could talk about but you know metalik and dorado and, and whoever else i mean just lucha, lucha house party in general i think you know why not do something interesting with those guys now now's the time yeah, definitely. I mean, I don't know. It's, I keep, I don't know. For some reason, the, the image of them coming out like carrying pinatas just keeps popping up in my head, and it's really <laughs> frustrating to me. Yeah, like, that's not great. No. Just for, uh, anyway, I'm, I'm, before, I'm not going to go on that diatribe right now. So, um, <laughs> so uh, the match itself, though, like, we, I think we both are in agreement. Uh, really, really athletic, really action-packed. New Day retains. Um, thankfully, the Forgotten Sons did not win the titles, so we don't have to deal with them. Real quick, um, Jackson Riker's back tattoo. <laughs> Atrocious? Yes. Okay, good. <laughs> I'm not the only one. I mean, anything. I think anything that either of those those guys do, I'm just gonna find atrocious. It's just not aesthetically. It's just not for me. Yeah, I mean, we not even like taking Jackson Riker's politics out of it for just a second. Those pants, the American flag pants, were just right. terrible. Yeah, not great. No. Ugh. Anyway, let's not talk about Forgotten Sons anymore. They're gone. They're forgotten. They're done. This match is over. New Day won. Uh, really fun match, really good opener. Um, it felt longer than, than 12 minutes. I will say that, but not necessarily in a bad way. Um, yeah, but that does lead us into our next match, which, oh boy, R-Truth versus MVP or what was supposed to be R-Truth versus MVP. And it turned into a terrible comedy segment. That led into a Bobby Lashley squash match. Um, yeah. Real quick, how how are you feeling about like this the R Truth character in the uh, post COVID world? Like, are you are you into like the comedy where they're trying to make him like keep with this delusional person who still acts like the crowd is there? Yeah, I I actually think. Our truth is very funny, and I think he is doing the most with with what they give him. And it's really, I mean, it's impressive how how sustainable uh, he has been. And I do think that he's a very talented guy, and, and actually do think he's very funny. But 
Um, you know, there's only so much he can sort of do with, with any of that. I mean, it's, it is what it is. I think, you know, a segment like that, like the one on Sunday at money in the bank, like doesn't really have any place, uh, on a pay-per-view. I mean, if you want to do that on raw, you know, whatever to kill some time, fill up some of your three hours, I guess that's okay. And, and, and whatever, but it's just like, I don't know. I, I don't really know what the point of any of that was. You know, we could have had Jeff Hardy and Cesaro putting on like an actually entertaining match on the main card. And instead we were sort of given this like very convoluted thing with, with Bobby Lashley. And I, you know, I, I don't think I only speak for myself here when I say that Bobby Lashley is just like the least interesting person on the roster. So it's uh yeah, you know, ultimately it was, it was a waste of time. Yeah, no, Bob. I I just don't understand. They seem to be pulling Bobby Lashley in like a thousand different directions since this yeah. whole thing, this is the Lana storyline, really kicked off. And I'm I'm be frank. Bobby Lashley really hasn't been that interesting to me since he was paired with Leo Rush. Like that pairing yeah. was was money. And then whenever they split that up, like Lashley's just been kind of lost in the wind in a lot of ways. Yeah, and then it really I, sucked. <laughs> Sorry. No, I, I was I was just agreeing with you. I mean, it's like I and he's somebody that like I don't even think some sort of repackage could get me interested. You know, I'm just like I'm just so done sort of with him in general. I think he seems like a nice enough guy, but like I, uh, you know, I, I just don't think there's anything that you can do that's going to get me interested about Bobby Lashley anymore. I think the only thing that really could do that, I feel is like if. I obviously I'm saying this as they're announcing the brand to brand, whatever they're calling it. Um, if you had maybe moved him to SmackDown, give him a, like some new people to work against and a new like setting to be around. Like maybe you could have found some way to like get him, give him a different coat of paint, so to speak. Sure. Yeah. But like, even then, like, I don't know, because like I really like Bobby Lashley, and I think that given the right character and and the right uh, opponent, like he can be really good. Like we saw that in Impact, like he was money in Impact for years. Um, yeah. So like it's really frustrating to see how they've mis mismanaged him, uh, even though they're still trying to put him over as the this big strong man. As we saw when with him um, basically just squashing our truth after our um, truth decided to introduce the six point shot into basketball um, <laughs> via some very bad comedy. <laughs> I don't even I don't even know what that was, but God bless our truth for just still being out there and doing what he can. Yeah. Can only do so much with what a writer gives you. And um, I will say this highlight of this whole segment I love MVP's Black Panther getup. I will. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's great. Oh, always into his Black Panther gear. Um, yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah. So we'll quickly move on from that because it moved on quickly from itself. We will go into the, the SmackDown Women's Championship matchup, which was next up uh, Bailey defending against Tamina. Um, I actually kind of liked most of this. I'm not gonna lie. I know that like a lot, like basically everyone that I've seen, or most people that I've seen, have really been down on this match. But 
for what it was like i outside of the finish i feel like this was actually an an, an okay match especially whenever i love bailey has been the mvp of these empty arena quiet shows like i love the yeah. bailey that never shuts up and is always just talking the dumbest trash in the ring. Yeah, I I I know for whatever reason it seemed like this match sort of uh, brought out some very differing uh, opinions and and perspectives. But I thought it was pretty good. I mean, it, you know, it, it's not really a match I'm going to remember. Um, and you know, I, I think Tamina seems like a very nice person but i don't know again that i'm ever going to get that into a tamina match i think that that tamina match was probably as good as a tamina match is going to be um so you know credit to her for for getting to that level bailey has really been able to explore her character in ways that uh most haven't she's she's been very funny i think she and sasha together are are a really fun tandem and and fun to watch so yeah it was fine you know it, it, again it's it's nothing that i'm going to remember i barely remember it now but you know i'm not gonna remember it in in a few weeks but it, i think it served its purpose i do enjoy this kind of uh, this edge that we're kind of walking with Bailey and Sasha, because you do sort of wonder when it's all going to implode. And that's kind of fun to watch because it does feel like it's about to at any moment. And the longer it goes sort of simmering like this, I think the more enticing it is. Uh, it's, it's just a fun dynamic to watch. So yeah, the match was fine. Uh, I think accomplished what it needed to accomplish. Uh, and that's kind of about it, you know? Yeah, yeah. I my really only like gripe with the match was the, the finish itself because Kennedy yeah. has a real problem with making their baby faces look dumb. Um or not even necessarily the baby faces, just finishes with wrestlers that make that make them look dumb, no matter which side of the good evil spectrum they're on. Yeah. You know, like how many times have we seen the music interruption leading to the roll up? Like all these different things that really right like make you you've watered them down to the point where they don't really have the effect that you want and it just makes people look stupid for being distracted by the most minute things and then this match made i think was probably one of the worst examples of it that i've seen recently where tamina has the has hit both of her finishers has the match won and then decides to chase sasha around because sasha got in the ring for a second like <laughs> yeah it's just it's super frustrating to see because like i look I get it that the, this match was very like hurriedly put together in the in terms of the booking from what it looks like, but you have to have something else that you can't that that makes the the people in this match, um, Tamina specifically, not come off as as this person who does not understand that they have the match won, <laughs> and, right. that they, and that and that you end up sending them on this this wild goose chase that ultimately ends up in in her downfall in the match yeah. like it just really it, it infuriates me because like there's a way to book that and to make it in a finish that makes that accomplishes the same thing but doesn't immediately cut the legs out from underneath somebody that you have continually cut the legs out from under with tamina yeah i don't know i i hear what you're saying i uh you know i think Maybe I'm I'm a little bit more willing to overlook some of that stuff just because I don't know it it is just all so silly sometimes and I think <laughs> I don't know I'm not sure Tamita's been built built up to be a 
you know, a super brainiac or anything like that. I, it's, you know, it, I, I definitely understand what you're saying, but I think in general, when it comes to the overall, the overall product, maybe it doesn't quite irk me as much. Yeah. I think it is. It just, I think it irks me mostly because like, it seems like this is always the pattern with Tamina, you know, like she's around for a little while. They build her up as a monster and then she goes into whether it's a title match or some program where she's like the 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 heater for someone else and then like within like a month or two she's gone again because she right. made like a dumb mistake because they that's just the way they book her and it's really really frustrating to see because yeah like for the longest time like i don't know like the tamina of now like yeah there's not as much to work with there necessarily but like the tamina from like seven eight years ago if she had been better served then she would be a she could be a much bigger deal now than she was then than she is yeah you know yeah i agree with that it's just really frustrating in that in that way because it just seems like a pattern that just keeps repeating itself and and i i don't know that and also just yes pro wrestling it is silly. <laughs> WWE specifically <laughs> is very silly. Um, but there's also just logic stuff that it's hard for me to, to overlook personally. Like I, I will admit, like I was watching that match and I was into it. And then as soon as I saw that, I'm like, that fuck. Like I literally yeah. fell back in my chair. Cause I'm just like, great, whatever. Like yeah. I like, I interest is gone. Yeah. Uh, but Bailey retains and the, the, uh, the ever simmering eventual breakup with Sasha uh, continues on. I wonder yeah. how, long do you, how long do you think they're going to keep that going? I don't know. I mean, it's really one of the only interesting things happening on SmackDown. I, I don't mind that it sort of keeps going, although it is a little silly that there hasn't been that much sort of motion. I mean, I do sort of wonder if they're trying to wait for this long program to maybe have it boil over once they think that some people might be around to see it happen. So they can get some sort of crowd reaction out of, uh, out of Sasha turning or at least the match itself. You know, I think maybe, maybe hypothetically they were waiting to hopefully do the match at like a SummerSlam with people uh, in the audience, but I don't think that's happening probably. So I don't know. I think there's sort of been a tough spot now where, uh, they maybe have let this drag on and and now there really is no end in sight to their current situation. So, you know, a plan might be out the window. I, I think they would be better served doing it now sooner rather than later. uh, Cause you know, I think it's going to lose its, its interest in heat if, if they keep it going for too long. So I don't know. I mean, maybe it happens, maybe it happens Friday on SmackDown. I don't know. And this is our new, our new title feud moving forward. I wouldn't be shocked if, if that happened, but then I also wouldn't be shocked if they <laughs> dragged this out for another couple of months at least. And then, and then tried to do the big blow off match at SummerSlam. Hmm. Yeah. I think SummerSlam feels right. But also like, I just, I just have this gut feeling that they're going to keep this going until they can have people there. Like, I yeah. just like, I would not be surprised if this keeps going until next year's mania. Cause even if we can have right. people in, you know, but yeah, who knows? Yeah, there's a lot of mystery, but we'll we'll see how it goes. Like it hasn't gotten old yet, um, and hopefully it won't get there um, soon. But uh, I I will tell you one thing that has gotten old 
already <laughs> for me. <sighs> Bray Wyatt, Braun Strowman. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think we, we gushed about the Firefly Funhouse. Yes. Less about a month ago. And I, I'm not, you know, they can't necessarily do a Firefly Funhouse every month, nor should they. Dear God, I did not want to see what that would devolve into if that if they were took that as a as a uh, an impetus. But uh. um, Bray Wyatt Braun Strowman was perhaps the exact opposite in terms of enjoyment from the Firefly Fawn House that you could get for me. I kind of liked it. I yeah. like. It was silly. I actually thought that when Bray, or I'm sorry, when when Braun uh, put on his mask and and you know did that whole thing, I actually thought it it would have been actually very cool and interesting if that had actually been how it ended. If he had sort of pretended that he was back in the Wyatt family and they sort of did that for uh, a beat or at least a week and added some intrigue into that, like is he legit? What's the deal here? I thought that could have been interesting. The match itself, I thought was was pretty okay. I mean, I'm never a huge fan of Bray in the ring, and this I thought was pretty enjoyable. And most of the same goes for Braun. I, I'm, you know, he's a big monster, and it, I, you know, I, I'm never that excited to watch him. So I wasn't that amped on this match going in, and I actually thought they did some some okay stuff with it. You know, I think it's pretty obvious that this is headed towards a rematch, uh, and we're gonna get the Fiend, and it's gonna be Fiend Braun at backlash and i wonder if that's going to be some sort of um i don't think it'll be a firefly funhouse match but maybe some sort of gimmick match to to freshen things up a little bit you know i can't say i'm i'm super excited and seeing these two go at it again but they'll obviously be a, a, another dynamic with the fiend involved you know it, it was fine for me i think again it accomplished what it needed to accomplish, which I think is a pretty boring way to critique a wrestling match. But in this day and age, that's kind of where we are. I mean, this always felt like the first chapter in, in a pretty long story, at least a, at least one that lasts to a, another pay-per-view. Um, and they got it done. And I, I enjoyed it for the most part. Again, it's not something I'm going to really remember or look back on that fondly when all is said and done. But I thought it was okay. And, and, you know, I I'm intrigued to see uh, the fiend sort of come out in the next few weeks. And, and we go from here. It was, it was fine. But uh, you know, I, I think it sounds like I liked it a little bit more than you. I think so. And, and let me, let me preface this by saying like the wrestling in it was okay. Like I, I think I'm more of a fan of Bray in the ring than you are. And yeah. Um, Bray and Braun, like whenever they were actually wrestling was fine. It's. I think that for as much as I liked the last time that we saw Bray Wyatt in the ring and not the Fiend in the ring, um, that match against the Miz, I think back in December, I want to say. Um, yeah. Like, I, I think that Bray Wyatt has a very good grasp on what the Fiend is now and how the Fiend wrestles, and I think that he has a good grasp on the Bray Wyatt character. But I don't know if he necessarily has a good grasp on how Bray Wyatt should be in a match. Because we've, if that makes any sense, I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I can um, understand what you're saying. Yeah, because like, it's so weird to be talking about a character that has this many different like layers to him. <laughs> in a, in no, a, we haven't in even a talked WWE about the puppet. Ring. 
Oh god, the the puppets is probably the part I did not like about this match the most. That made <laughs> they made me they made me laugh every time they popped up, but it was sort of ridiculous. You're like, wait, yeah. <laughs> You're like, I don't know. I, maybe I liked it. I mean, why not just do some <laughs> stupid shit? Like, it was, I don't know. It made me laugh. It's like, if nothing else, like, I don't know. At least you gave me that. I, I'm I'm never going to disparage them for getting weird. Because I think they they never like doing that. It's always pretty standard and by the books. And I think with the Fiend and the Bray Wyatt character, at least there's some kind of campiness happening. I mean, it's stupid. But I think that's kind of the point, you know? And I think for the first time... uh in a while there is sort of a nod to it it's like we kind of we we get it like this is supposed to be silly this is supposed to be kind of dumb it's supposed to be funny um and i like that it feels like <laughs> i hesitate to say that like the just the the fun house in general and the puppets are like smart but i do think it's kind of like one of the smartest things the company has done in a while because it's just something different i don't know it, it at least has some some sort of identity that i can appreciate yeah, I'm with you on that. Like, I like the puppets, like in the context of the Funhouse, and I love the Funhouse show, like the the whole setup of that. Yeah. Like, it's great because it works to like all these different things that the Bray Wyatt character speaks to, as well as what the you know the fiend, like all these different all the things that encapsulate Bray Wyatt, are perfectly contained within this Firefly Funhouse environment. I think where it starts to lose some of that for me is whenever like you just randomly see a puppet show up and I'm all for getting weird. I'm all for like just throwing everything against the wall until something sticks in a way. But there's this, I don't know. It just like threw me completely for a loop and just like made me kind of not, it wasn't funny personally. And it just made me feel a little bit like they were trying too hard yeah, Wherever you had all the puppets show up in a way, especially because like the moment with Bray and, and Braun in the ring where Braun had put the mask back on and it seemed like there was going to be a little bit of a Wyatt family reunion there. Like, I think that moment could have what could have had a much more um, impact without the puppets screaming in my ear that bray you did it bray you you did it he's coming home blah 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 like i don't need to be beaten over the head with it you know yeah and i think this goes I back get to that. A, a, yeah it goes back to a lot of stuff with this show actually because like you had like the baron corbin like cell phone promo with him like basically the whole promo was just him repeating the rules of the match repeating all the catchphrases and and just beating you over the head with the same like copy that we've been seeing for the past month about this match, and and yeah, it's just I don't know it's, it it gets very frustrating. And I understand that I am not every fan, I really do, and I know that like there are some fans that that do in, enjoy this and do have. There are some fans that do like the reminding of the fa- of, of fans about stuff is is understandable in some ways. But is it for me? For me personally, it is immensely frustrating because I think that they really um, tainted a moment that could have had some some heavy impact. But it, it I think it lessens the impact of um, of what that moment could have been. And then, of course, you, they immediately like they throw the any <laughs> the character development out the window by having Braun just simply toss the mask off, stomp on it. And we go into the finish. Like, yeah. I feel like... I mean, I, I, yeah. Yeah for, yeah, for me, it, it, no, it's all right. It felt like for the first time in 
God, ever. There was maybe some like development to the Braun character that I was interested in. And that sort of went out the window in the span of about, you know, 30 seconds. Yeah. And, and it's really unfortunate because yes, this is building to the, to the fiend coming back, but I think you could have gotten a, another, at least another month out of this. I mean, if you had, you don't necessarily need to change the belt, like, because I, I don't, you don't necessarily want to keep like flip-flopping titles. Um, in theory, you don't, I honestly, I think that they, that com- at the company don't really care about that at the moment. Um, yeah. but, but, um, you don't even necessarily have to change the belt, like bring him back into the fold, have this reunion sort of thing happen, especially considering he's the only member of the Wyatt family that's still with the company now. And <laughs> right. Yeah. And like have this moment where you can kind of build up this relationship again and then have it dashed either like at the, at backlash or a little bit down the line. And then you run this back at SummerSlam with the fiend. Like, I, th- I don't know. There's a way to, to extend this stuff out. You don't have to rush this sort of thing in this match. Like the the story elements of this match felt very very rushed, and it yeah. just made me throw my hands up because I'm like, you had something there for a second and then gone. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, but obviously the fiend is coming. We saw that with the little interstitials. Um, yeah, like you said, and we'll see what happens at Backlash. Um, I'm very curious to see how they're going to book the fiend now after we saw him get dismantled by Goldberg. Um, <laughs> so we'll see what happens. We'll see if the fiend's able to recover. <laughs> I, uh, if I, if I were a betting man and I think I am, I think, uh, I think fiend is our new champ at backlash. You can mark that down right now. All right. I got my, let me grab my pencil real quick. Gonna Thank you. Write it down. Scribble that down. Fiend, champ, I think, uh, lock it. Yeah. There you go. And I think, <laughs> you know, the, uh, the the weird uncertainty surrounding Roman Reigns is obviously uh, sort of the black cloud over all of this right now. I have no idea what to expect with any of that moving forward, but um, I, who knows? But I think maybe, you know, we're, if Roman comes back sooner rather than later, we go into Roman Fiend. And if not, maybe we get a placeholder feud with like Fiend and even like Jeff Hardy. I mean, that could be interesting. Those two weirdos um, oh, could be fun. So I don't know. Stuff with Jeff Hardy. I know that. I know that's kind of where I'm going. I could see yeah. like uh, I could definitely see a Fiend Jeff Hardy funhouse match and they could get really sort of meta and very deep with that stuff if they want to talking about all the stuff that Jeff, that Jeff has been through. Um, I think uh, when I say, I mean, all the stuff he has uh, done to himself or whatever, I don't, you know, don't need to yeah. seem uh, entirely sympathetic, but um, yeah, I think it could be really interesting if they want to do something there. There's so much stuff that they could do with, I think a fiend Jeff Hardy feud, but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. I, I will say this, though. If we do get a Fiend-Jeff Hardy feud, uh, I need Bray Wyatt calling Jeff Hardy an obsolete mule immediately. Oh, I know. I was thinking I know. I was thinking that, too. Like, he could just, I mean, yeah, they, there's so many directions they could go with that. But I think it would be really interesting if they just leaned in as, as hard as possible to, to all the stuff that, that Matt and Jeff uh, have done. I think it could be, I think it could be really, really cool. Yeah, I completely agree. Um. And honestly, really cool is a very it's very fitting that you ended that with that sentiment because we got into probably the coolest match of the night, the best match of the night. Woo! 
And I think that we both agree on that based off of what I saw you write on Twitter about this match. Oh, Drew God, Macken- my, my gorgeous <laughs> Twitter feed. Yes. 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 Drew McIntyre defending the universe, the WWE, not the universal, the WWE championship against Seth Rollins in probably what was, I'm, I'm going to say it's probably the best empty arena match that we've seen from WWE to this point. And I hate yeah, that. I, had to put I, that I would qualifier definitely on it. agree. Yeah, it is weird. I know. And it gets back to sort of what I was saying earlier, which I think is kind of a boring thing to say, but it was what I was thinking throughout the entire Drew Seth match was, man, this would be even better with the crowd. Um, I mean, the crowd would have been so hot. I mean, Seth came close to winning that match a few times. I mean, it just would have been, it would have been so much better. But with that being said, I agree with you. And I think that the match was was really excellent and definitely the best thing that they've done in an empty arena. And it was just, it was great. It, it was, I mean, those two guys can just go. Like I said earlier, I, I've been such a fan of what Seth Rollins has been doing. I think he is just like, uh, just, you know, this, this new version of himself, I think is obviously as interesting as he's been in, in quite some time, if not forever. And I, I thought this match was a great illustration of that. I mean, you take the match that he had with Kevin Owens at WrestleMania, which I loved, and now you have this one against Drew, you know, nothing but kudos to Seth Rollins and, uh, you know, a big week for him is this great match. And now we know he's going to be a dad. I, I I'm interested to see where they go with this character. I don't know what's happening with Drew, uh, feud wise moving forward it doesn't feel like it's going to be seth again like i think seth can really sort of help bolster the mid card and i think drew can maybe go on to fight uh you know an aj styles or or whoever um but i yeah i love this match i thought it was great from start to finish and uh i just uh yeah compliments to both of them yeah no like this was outstanding the the pace was great the near falls were great you know everything like I, I'm in, I think I agree with you that this match would have worked even more so um, in front of a crowd, but it was really like the, a really well worked match, really well put together match, and the the drama still came across, even though you didn't have yeah. the crowd to feed into the near falls and to feed into some of the the heel stuff that Seth was pulling out there. Um, the ending, uh, the post-match actually, not that I said the ending, but the post-match was very interesting because like you said, we don't necessarily know where this Seth character is going. Um, even though they have fully committed to, to the Monday Night Messiah thing at this point, um, we see him actually shake hands with Drew at the end of yeah. this and look like he's angry at himself for doing it afterwards. <laughs> Um, yeah, and then then that feeds into what we saw on Raw last night, where like he shows up completely disheveled, like hair or frizz all over the place. Like I, I, I really am curious to see what they do with the character because I mean, let's face it, a lot of his his stable that was around him hasn't been seen in a long time. We know that um, Occam is hurt. And usually how WWE handles tag teams, like they'll keep the partner off of TV for just as long. So in in that effect, Rezar is out as well. Um, We saw uh, Buddy Murphy show up um, in the build-up to this match, but I don't know. It seems like uh, they might be – it really feels like they might be going in a direction of like this kingdom – 
that Seth Rollins has built around him crumbling and maybe yeah. like leading to this like weird um I mean not necessarily weird but like this like this lost persona. I don't know. I I love it. Bring it on. Yeah. Um but no the the match back to the match itself. Um I I really like Drew and I've I've liked him a lot since he initially left WWE the first time. Um I think he really found himself again back on the indies and an impact. Um and he's been a joy to watch for the most part since coming back to WWE. But but even with him winning the title at, at Mania, I thought it was a really good move. I think that he's the right person, but I still felt like there was something for him to prove that he could really like hold down that spot in in these matches. And I think that this was the coming out party for for Drew McIntyre, like WWE champion Drew McIntyre. Like I think he really yeah. solidified himself as a main eventer in this match. Yeah, I totally agree. Totally agree. I'm excited to see uh, where things go. Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll see. He's, he's got Baron Corbin coming up next, and who knows what they're going to do for <gasps> Backlash. So <laughs> don't worry. We can talk about Baron Corbin even more. <laughs> oh, God, that's right. Here we go. Yeah. So with that 19-minute um, classic in the age of COVID, uh, we move into – Probably the most divisive match that I've seen in a long, long time. Even maybe not, uh, maybe even more divisive than the Firefly Funhouse. Uh, the Money in the Bank match. The the one that, that uh, took it took place in WWE's corporate headquarters in Stanford, Connecticut, where you had we had six women, six men fighting from what was supposed to be the lobby, the first floor, although according to some intel from people that have been in that building, that gym where the men started, not on the first floor. (laughs) 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 So, but um, either way, they're supposed to fight from the bottom of of the WWE corporate headquarters to the roof and then claim the briefcases that guarantee uh, championship matches down the line. Um, Yeah. See, the women that we had, we had Asuka, Carmella, Dana Brooke, Lacey Evans, Nia Jax, and Shayna Baszler. And for the men, we had AJ Styles, Aleister Black, Daniel Bryan, fucking Baron Corbin. (laughs) King Corbin to you. Oh, yes. King Corbin to me. Whatever. Oh, God, that crown is so grody. Um, Rey Mysterio and Otis. Oh, uh, yeah. God, I, I love Otis so much. I'm just going to go ahead and before we even get into this match, like Otis screaming, oh, yeah, at everything that he sees in this building. I think Otis is very funny. I like Otis as a character. He makes me laugh. He makes me smile. Um, That's about where it ends. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I feel like he's better in the ring than he actually gets the chance to show. I, I I do agree with that. I do agree with that. I I don't know. I don't know that I need Otis in my main event title picture scene. We'll get to that. But um, yeah, listen, I, I like Otis, and you know, God bless he and Mandy. I hope uh, maybe she'll be uh, she'll be the next pregnancy announcement. Yes, we'll we'll eagerly await that announcement. We'll see how that goes down. 
Um, but I will say, that, I don't know, for some reason, as soon as you started saying, oh, yeah, I just immediately jumped to him with the pie. It is like, look at this pie. Uh, it's just really <laughs> remarkable stuff. God, it's, it's, uh, look, WWE, whenever they get humor right, it works. And I feel like, like the only thing that they've really gotten right humor wise recently, like in terms of like hitting on every cylinder, is Otis. And that was probably the the best showcase thing in this match was the was Otis's humor. Here's um, what I'll say about this match. I yeah. really, really liked it up until we got to the roof. Um, I thought this stuff sort of like fighting through the building was so silly and so dumb and so ridiculous but like i was laughing out loud i was like really enjoying it i just like relaxed into the absurdity of it all and just like just let myself enjoy it like was it was it an exceptional wrestling match obviously not i mean it was i don't even know how to describe what it was and some of it was like some of it really lacked that like production nuance of of a boneyard match or a firefly funhouse obviously this felt like very sort of low rent but I don't know. I just like really enjoyed it. It, it. I thought it was really, really fun. And then we got up to the roof and I thought it kind of all fell apart, to be honest. Um, it just kind of, I, I, I don't know. I, I was struggling to like remember who was in the match and why somebody wasn't up on the roof. Like what happened to them? Where did they go? And then people are getting thrown off. And then I thought the end was kind of clunky. And um, so the stuff on the roof and the actual ending of the match didn't totally, totally land for me, but I don't know. In general, I really, I don't, I enjoyed myself. You know, again, was it a great wrestling match? Obviously not. I don't think it's even close to being on the level of a Boneyard or a, uh, or a Firefly Funhouse match, but I thought they did something interesting with some really bizarre circumstances. I applaud them for sort of taking some risks and trying something new and it was fun, you know. It was just fun, um, and uh, and yeah, I, I I liked it. Yeah, I think I liked parts of it. I think that yes, the stuff, a lot of the fighting in the building was very very silly, very contrived in a way, but not necessarily in a bad way. Like I had fun watching them actually fighting through the building. Um, I think where I started to get lost and where I really had moments of like throwing my hands up and just being like rolling my eyes was WWE's attempts at humor outside of the actual match. Like all of the cameos and like over explaining jokes and like all these different, like it's, it's very on the nose for what Vincent Mann sees as funny as we've been shown for the past 25 years. Yeah. Um, but like just having like Rey Mysterio stop running to watch brother love come out of the bathroom <laughs> after flushing the toilet or like, what even was the doink thing? You just had like someone in, not even doink, I, someone in clown makeup, pop his I head up know. behind a chair. It was, I, you know what? I don't care. Loved it. Thought it was funny. I didn't like, <laughs> it was, it's so stupid. Like, just the most random cameo. Like, I sort of wish they had had more, to be honest. They don't, well, we had three, right? We had Brother Love, Doink, Laronitis. I don't really count the McMahons. I mean, although those were, but like, it, Stephanie. Yeah. Like that, that Stephanie thing with Dana was terrible. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, it was 
that so was they were so clearly not in the same room at the same time like it was it was just that was very weird um the vince thing listen uh it, it's hard to say that i don't like vince because here i am talking about wwe the only thing that i really care about in the world anymore and i'm like but i'm not a vince fan it's like well okay well then stop watching but um I'm not, you know, I don't really care for Vincent Kennedy McMahon as a person, but that the, the scene in his office was hilarious. Like it was just great. And I, I, I wish they'd maybe leaned into that a little bit more. Like, even if they had been running down the hall, like don't even acknowledge it, just like running down the hallway. And like, they, they walk by like, you know, hacksaw Jim Duggan or just something like, I don't know, somebody just like, it would have been funnier if there were just like all these gimmick characters, just like working around the headquarters or something. It was a little weird. There were only a few of them, but um, I don't know. I just thought it was funny. I just, it, it, it made me happy in a way that uh, not much has <laughs> recently, I guess maybe, maybe my expectations and standards are just so low that like somebody in doink makeup looking up from behind a chair, like made me laugh out loud, but you know what? It did. <laughs> I'm not going to bemoan anybody that actually that, that that thought things that I didn't like that, that they liked, you know, like everybody's allowed to like, sure, what they like sure, you sure. know, so like, by all means, I'm not saying that I'm just for me, that stuff seemed really dumb and out of place. And there are better ways to accomplish those types of moments that don't feel as forced as that as those like, I think the Vince sure. thing was the perfect example because like the best out of all of them was daniel bryan and aj in vince's office like literally like just stopping like vince turns around his chair and immediately they stop they look like they put put the office back together yeah and then give each other shit outside of the door like that was the only legit like cameo but that made me laugh out loud. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I think the Stephanie one was the most frustrating for me because one, it feeds into this thing that we've seen with Stephanie's character where she is constantly belittling all the people around her and no one can really touch her in that way, which sucks for an authority figure to have where you like, the reason why you have authority, like like quote unquote evil authority figures is for them to have someone speak power to them. No one ever speak or speak truth to them. No one ever speaks truth to Stephanie McMahon. She's just there to rip on people in character. And it's really frustrating to see. And yes. And oh my God, Dana Brooke. (laughs) Oh my God, Dana Brooke. Was that the last we saw of her? She like slipped and fell on the wet floor. Was that it? Yep. Yep. She was done after that. Um, uh, Whatever. It's funny. (laughs) Like that's not look. I get that. That's 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 beside the point. I what think happened? The, the, what happened to Shayna? That's I'm very curious about that because Shayna didn't get to the top. Um, and there was am one, I an idiot? Did something happen in the match that I don't remember that like took her out? I honestly don't remember seeing her or Carmella be taken out. Carmella, and yeah, Carmella. Wait, something happened with Carmella, didn't it? I don't remember. Carmella, by the way. Whoa. Wow, wow, we wow. Right? <laughs> she was looking, wow. I was like, how are you going to wrestle with that girl? Yeah. Yeah. Somehow. Um, yeah. No, totally. But the, Dana was the most frustrating thing for me in terms of like treatment of character in this match. And um, that's something, that's saying something whenever you had people literally get thrown off of the roof uh, in this match. <laughs> they made Dana look like the dumbest 
person in the company in this match. And it was extremely frustrating because Dana is so far from that. Yeah. Um, the fact that, that they made her like her grabbing the briefcase in the conference room and thinking that she won and them holding on that. Like, why would she ever think that that was actually how she's supposed to win the match? Yeah, that just, was that was tough. That was that was a tough moment. <laughs> yeah, like it just it was just a setup to have Stephanie come in there and ridicule her again. Like, yeah, haha, she, like, you're stupid. Thought, she's like thought there was money in it. Like, why? It didn't make any sense. Yeah. Also, I love that there's just one conference room in Titan Towers called the Money in the Bank Conference Room. <laughs> and that just the building in general seemed to be very very depressing. Like yeah. a lot of just like empty white walls, very corporate, very like ugh. I don't know. It just like gave, made me creep. Gave me the creeps being inside there for so long. Yeah, I know, and especially <laughs> whenever you had AJ get locked in a room. They just have a room with a coffin in it. Like that's yeah, cool. Why not? That's the that's the Undertaker's room. There's a coffin in there. We keep the purple <laughs> lights on. That was great. <laughs> God. Oh, but yeah, but then we got to the roof, and that's I think God. I I agree with you that everything kind of fell apart on the roof. The only thing. In terms of the roof stuff that worked for me was Asuka kicking Baron Corbin in the face. Um, oh, great moment for all of us. Yes, lovely. And and I'm not going to lie, um, as much as I've made a big deal about the uh, the roof stuff and, and Baron Corbin throwing people off the roof, I did not even notice that he threw Rey Mysterio off the roof the first time I watched the match. <laughs> I... If that shows you like how well executed that was and how much weight was given to a moment like that, um, I saw I saw him throw Alistair and I'm like, oh, okay, there's that spot. I yeah. completely forgotten that he threw Rey Mysterio off as well. Um, yeah. I mean, God. the yeah, I don't know. Like getting thrown off the whatever. I mean, I guess we sort of knew that that was going to happen to somebody. It's just like. I don't know. Sort of roll my eyes at all of that, where it's like, yeah, you know, no repercussions for this guy. There's just back wrestling. Like, I don't, it's like, what was like? Are we supposed to believe that they fell all the way to the floor? <laughs> like, or, like truly, are we supposed to think that they were thrown off the roof and landed on the cement on the ground, and that they just like got up? Well, I mean, they put the splat sound effects in there, so I assume so. God, like, whatever. At least, in, <laughs> at least in the match, I think, because like obviously afterwards, you had Ray come out and say like, "There, we felt like I fell on a second part of the roof that was only six feet below." Which, if you right. showed like the the drone shot, it gives that away immediately. Right. Right. Yeah, that's right. I guess that's right. I kind of forgot about that. But that's the thing, though, is like they didn't necessarily. I think everybody forgot about that. They and they didn't mention that at all during the course of the match um you know because so they wanted you to believe that they were being thrown off the roof to their death right I honestly think like why else do you add splat sound effects in there yeah it is you funny know? just to have that happen and then just like the match continues you know like <laughs> yeah like, like nothing happened <laughs> yeah they don't like run up on the roof and like arrest corbin or something there's like well i guess they're dead <laughs> Not only that, you have Ray and Alistair back on Raw the next night as a tag team. It's like, oh, 
we shared this experience of being thrown off the roof. We have to tag team together now. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Uh, but anyway, yeah, I mean, yeah, the, the stuff on the roof, is, as I think you were kind of saying, felt a little muddled and kind of rushed and a little unfocused. Oscar winning um, was a little bit of a surprise to me, but one that I'm happy with. And now that we know sort of where things were uh, were headed, um, I think it's, well, I, I mean, did we know that? I mean, because this was filmed like weeks ago, right? The Money in the Bank matches. So it's like, I wonder how much of this was forecasted in terms of... Um, Asuka essentially winning the women's title that night, but whatever the case, um, happy to see her win. I mean, she has been such a revelation during these empty arena shows. She's been so funny. It was so funny during this match. So I, I was happy that she won. And then, you know, the kind of convoluted finish with the men was, uh, was a little strange and, you know, now Otis is our Mr. Money in the bank, which, uh, you know, good for him, whatever. It's, it's kind of a surprise win. It's, you know, at least it's not Corbin, I guess. And it, it's something different. We'll see what they do with it. And I think he'll have, you know, he'll have a fun run with it. I think this proves that Otis is is around to stay. And I think is going to be a pretty big part of, of SmackDown, uh, I guess, or Raw. I mean, who, it sounds like people can kind of go anywhere now. He's going to be a big part of WWE moving forward, which, uh, you know, whatever. It's a fresh face. So I, I guess I shouldn't be complaining, but um, we'll see. I like, I still struggle picturing Otis as like a uh, as a universal champion or something, but who knows? Maybe we'll get there. Yeah, I mean, I I have that a little bit of that struggle too, just because of the way they presented his his character. But I think that one thing that I like about the Money in the Bank concept is that it gives you it gives uh, fans a chance to see someone in a new light, and it gives them a chance to kind of build themselves into that role. You know, yeah. Like yeah. the last time that we saw the briefcase not really make anybody was Damian Sandow, and we. I know. Was- I thought. I. I. I know. I. I thought about that the other day. When I say thought about, it, I like saw a photo of him like with the briefcase, and I was like, "Oh my god!" I. That's right. I forgot. I forgot about that. Yeah. So like it. It definitely doesn't work a hundred percent of the time. Um. Unfortunately, but I think that it's a good. One, it's good for Otis as it gives him an, another leg up, and I think that he really he he has the potential to be a, a major player um, on the SmackDown brand. I would say specifically, I would be very I would be very hesitant to put him on Raw just because of how like you know Raw has been historically handled. I would say, um, mm-hmm. but but yeah, I, I I like the move. I think that he could grow into it fairly easily i think that he's a character that people gravitate to and like and if you just turn up the dial a little bit on him in the ring i think it works it makes that work that much better also it sets up a pretty interesting program because you had you know baron and aj both had their hands on that briefcase before it ended up fumbling out because of elias you could potentially that sets up spots for like otis and aj otis and, and corbin to to fight over the briefcase is we we've seen matches for the briefcase happen. I was gonna say I, I didn't think about that. That's a good idea. I mean that could be something that we get, especially now with this like brand uh brand flipping. Maybe a backlash they do some like triple threat where it's Otis, AJ, Baron for the uh I'm sorry, King for the uh <laughs> for, for the 
briefcase. I mean, that could be a way to sort of extend all of this. Um, and all of our talk about, wow, a fresh face. And like, you know, Corbin's going to just win the briefcase back. Oh, God, I really hope that doesn't happen. But I would say this, like, if you, you put Otis in the ring with AJ Styles, that's a very good way to get somebody elevated. Um, so... Yeah, I'd be intrigued to watch that too. I mean, I, I would like to see what Otis can do in a, in a one-on-one match with somebody of AJ's caliber. I, I would be very intrigued to see that. Yeah. So I, I think it's it's only on the up for, for Otis from here, but we'll see how they handle this because um, it's always spotty with how some of these things are handled. And, and you know, kudos to Asuka as well. Like, I think I agree with you completely. Asuka has been a, a godsend during these uh this era of empty arena stuff and having her with the championship there in in lieu of becky's absence now is great i think that they're they're moving to hopefully they'll move towards an oscar shana feud because like i shana baszler i love shana baszler and i want her to succeed at that level yeah um, i think it i think that's probably what we get but i do wonder maybe they go a tournament route now that we have this new champion and they have you know a bunch of time they need to fill so maybe they just put every woman on the uh on the raw roster maybe even i don't know again with this uh, crossover maybe they put smackdown they just put everybody into like a, a a 16 woman tournament that they can sort of span out over the next uh, however many weeks until backlash and maybe they do oscar against the tournament winner at backlash for the belt or something Hmm. I, I mean, they've got time to fill, like you said. I know. So. That's what I'm saying. Is that I think they need to just like <laughs> figure out ways uh, <laughs> to uh, to fill up those hours, especially on Monday nights. Oh boy. Yeah. So um, I don't know. How are you feeling coming out of this show? Like heading heading towards backlash. Um, I don't know. I mean, okay. I. I'm intrigued by some of the stuff that happened on Raw last night. I, I, I for one, am very excited that the Iconics are back. Um, I'm a huge Iconics fan, um, so I'm excited to see what they do. I hope that they stick around. I think the two of them are, are two of the most legitimately funny people that they uh, have maybe truly like ever had. Um, love them. Uh, Edge and Orton happening at Backlash in like a one-on-one wrestling match. Sure, I think that adds some like star power to uh, a pay-per-view that they kind of desperately need. So I'm intrigued. Uh, I mean, I think it does feel like a lot of things are kind of planned out. Uh, You know, I think on the SmackDown side, especially, we're definitely going to see The Fiend come on Friday and we kind of know the steps that that's going to take until we get to the pay-per-view. I mean, it's all pretty forecasted with that kind of stuff. Um, And then... Yeah, I mean, there's some uncertainty. I don't know who's going to take on Drew. Um, I know we theorize maybe they'll do some like Otis AJ thing, but you know, I think AJ is the uh, is the obvious uh, next guy in line, probably on the Raw side to uh, to get the title shot. So I think that's probably where that's headed. Um, and we'll see. I'm intrigued. It's you know, wrestling's hard right now. It's it's hard to get that excited about any of it you know i i think the most excited or or moved i've been by anything in the past few months has been becky's announcement that she's pregnant you know so i don't know what that says about the product but um you know best of luck to her they're gonna miss her but i do think in, in an odd way if she's able to come back in you know it's not going to be for at least a year um 
probably closer to a year and a half, I would assume, uh, which is crazy. That's a crazy amount of time to sort of be without one of your biggest, uh, one of your biggest names on the roster. But I do think that she was starting to feel a little bit stale character wise and a little bit, uh, I don't know, not as uh, not as exciting. I think when she does eventually come back, if she decides to, uh, she could be just like, bigger and and better than ever but again it's like there have been so many rumors about becky maybe going to hollywood being in movies all this stuff there seems to be a lot of demand for her there so who knows maybe it could be a very long time before we see her again but i do think that she loves wrestling and, and loves the business so i do think she'll be back uh at some point i wish her and seth all the best and for everybody else i'm 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 intrigued and and willing to uh to have some patience to see where things go. I think backlash has the potential to be pretty good, um, but we'll see, you know, they're just trying to do whatever they can. And it's tough right now. It's, it's not the most enjoyable thing in the world to watch wrestling, but you know, sometimes when it's good, like Seth and drew on Sunday, it's, it's worthwhile. So hopefully we'll have a bunch of that moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I'm there with you on, on a lot of that. Um, I, I'm very intrigued to see how this, how Becky's situation plays out is like I, obviously I don't blame her at all. If she never comes back to the ring, you know. Like I think that she's already built a, a pretty good legacy for herself if she never if she never comes back. But wrestlers have an itch. Oh, for sure. <laughs> so, be there's yeah. no way that she, there's no way she doesn't come back at, at some point. I'm not saying it's like you know, a month after she gives birth. I mean, I, I, I do think it could be a while and I hope that she takes all the time that she wants and needs. And I also do think, you know, when she is sort of ready to to get back to work, I do wonder if that's in a movie um, or if that's some other project that's not that's not rushing back to the ring right away. But again, I do think that she's somebody who who just loves wrestling. And I think you got that vibe during her promo last night. So um We'll see. I, I think she'll be back for sure, but uh, it's just a, it's just a matter of when. Yeah, yeah. We'll keep an eye on that as we go. But uh, huge congratulations to to Becky and Seth. There, that's just God. It's, you don't get moments like that in wrestling all that often. It's just really, yeah. really great. Um, last question for you, and this is something yes, that we sir. theorized that we theorized back in April with talking about WrestleMania 36. Oh, I don't remember this. I'm excited. So we we saw the, the Boneyard. We saw the Firefly Funhouse. And yeah. the, the amazing execution of both of those matches led both of us to believe that at some point, WWE would see the, the success of those and completely um, beat the concept of cinematic wrestling into the ground um fairly quickly <laughs> um yeah do you feel like they have already done that with this well it's a good question it's, it's a good question i might have a different perspective than i had after wrestlemania because now to be honest with you i sort of feel like on every pay-per-view they kind of have to have something like that like they have to have some kind of cinematic match because i think the idea of you know watching a you know two and a half three hour show of just straight wrestling in a ring with no fans is incredibly unappealing even to somebody like me who loves wrestling but you're certainly not getting any casual fans to watch that i mean they're not watching on mondays and fridays right i mean the ratings are terrible uh 
I almost think they need to do something on every big show. Um, so at Backlash, I think there should be something. So maybe that is running it into the ground a little bit, but I don't know that they they have any other choice. I mean, I really think that they kind of have to do new stuff to keep people intrigued because like the idea of sitting and watching Backlash, that's just like an eight or nine match card of just like straight wrestling in an empty arena does not, really appeal to me very much so i think they have to do some stuff to switch it up I, maybe that's a, a fiend brawn match that is takes place somewhere else i you know i don't know maybe they do something fun with uh with jeff hardy maybe they do something interesting with aj again i i just think they have to do something they can't have a three-hour show that takes place all in the performance center i just don't think they can do it so um I, I, I don't know. Maybe it is being run into the ground, but I, I don't think they really have any other choice at this point. Yeah, it definitely feels like a problem of their own making in that way, in that they showed that, that what they can pull off with it, and it generated so much fan interest that now people want that more and more. And yeah. I, I don't know. I feel like there's a... I, it's a, it's a catch-22 in some ways, because... Yeah, like I I enjoyed the cinematic stuff, even with my feelings about Money in the Bank aside, you know, like that I like what they did with those matches. But it's also should be noted that the Boneyard and the Firefly Funhouse match, both of those are very much outliers when it comes to WWE's success with cinematic presentations of anything. Like, I mean, let's think about before those two matches. Probably the most recent examples of that were like the Wyatt Family versus the New Day. Uh, package you had the the bray uh, randy orton uh match i can't remember what that match was called um the, uh, at, at house, bray's of horrors ha- match? house of horrors that's what it was yeah so like Thank these you. i was uh i was in attendance for that unfortunately oh god i am so sorry how'd that look on the screen <laughs> Stupid. I mean, it was so stupid. It's like you're why you're like at it was that was in I was in the habit of driving up to Northern California for pay-per-views for a couple of years, which was very fun. But um, that was either in that was in San Jose, I think. Um, and it is this weird phenomenon of like you're at the pay-per-view and you're watching the show on the Jumbotron. You know, you're like, why am I here? <laughs> you know. <laughs> All the stuff that happens outside, and that's another reason that they can take advantage of, of doing weird stuff now, and they don't have a crowd that they need to play to. I mean, just do some wacky, weird stuff. I don't know. I, I say bring on bring on more of it. I'm I'm fine with more of it right now because like it, it does work to break up the monotony of stuff in the ring. Um, but I will say this. Um, I, I will give the first money in the bank the, the money in the bank match a pass. Um, I think when I was watching it, and this just came back to me right now, when I was watching that match, it really felt like they were they somebody in that office watched a DDT show and thought, well, we could do that better, and yeah. not really understanding like what DDT does, and then even like comparing that to what AEW did with the street fight that went all, completely off the rails on right. Dynamite last week, you know, like there there are they have the potential to pull stuff off like this it just they don't have the track record for it uh, and that doesn't necessarily mean that they can't do better cuz we saw what they did with the boneyard they saw what they did with the funhouse so 
I don't know. Like, I, I think if 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 things get continue to be more like the Money in the Bank match and not like the Boneyard, I think that this trope will run uh, afoul very very quickly. Um, but that doesn't necessarily, like yeah. you said, though, it doesn't necessarily mean that they can't that, that that they have a choice in the matter, though, because like I, as much as I I love watching wrestling, but three hours of just people in the ring with no crowd like can get pretty taxing so yeah oh for sure yeah so i don't know i don't know that it's we'll just have to wait and see i guess i mean i think at least if they do it with the fiend like that's a really that's probably the best character to do it with so we'll see what they have in store next month who knows we sure will i'm uh i'm i'm cautiously optimistic yeah i think that's the the only real approach that you can be because there's no sense in going into this thing thinking sour thoughts. It's like you have to hopefully that they pull out the best that they can. So, but we'll see. Yeah. Um, for now though, that was money in the bank, 2020. Woo. What a journey. Yeah. Jesus. And um, I guess that brings us to the end here at least. Um, but we can't end the show yet. We got to let you uh, let everybody know where they can find you on the internet. Oh, sure. Um, let's see. You can, uh, I mean, Brian gave a, a great plug to my terrible Twitter account earlier. Um, that is, uh, that is uh, Dan Trainer one D-A-N-T-R-A-I-N-O-R, number one on uh, Twitter. Like Brian said, I've been uh, writing and doing some stuff for Pro Wrestling Sheet, so follow them. Check us out there. Uh, you know, a bunch of fun stuff getting posted there daily. Um and that's it right now. I don't know. I've been uh, I've been writing recaps of uh, the season of Top Chef and of RuPaul's Celebrity Drag Race. If you want to check those out, those links are on my Twitter. Um, so yeah, just staying busy in quarantine, Brian, doing everything that I can to uh, not go crazy. I hear you. <laughs> I hear you all too well. Oh Lord, thanks for coming by, Daniel. Thank you, Brian. As always, it was a blast. My thanks once again to Daniel Trainer for stopping by and helping me. Uh, I can't even make the joke about climbing the corporate ladder anymore. I'm done with it. Done with it. Done with it. <laughs> Definitely follow him on Twitter at DanTrainer1. Uh, that's Trainer with a O, not an E. Um, and, you know, I'm really excited to hear that, that he's landed uh, with Pro Wrestling Sheet. Um, outstanding outlet, putting out some really good stuff. Um, over at ProWrestlingSheet.com. And, of course, he still hosts the Same Team podcast, even though it's on hiatus right now. So keep an eye on his Twitter account for when the Same Team podcast is going to be coming back. Um, always a fun listen. Um, always, always, always. Well, that's going to do it here for us this week. Um, oh, I will mention one more thing before we go. Um, the This week on SB Nation and OutSports, we are participating in What If Week. And while a lot of the verticals within SB Nation have been talking about, you know, what if situations regarding historic moments in a team's history or an athlete's history or a sports history even, uh, Outsports has been doing a lot of work, uh, really great work, looking at, you know, LGBTQ acceptance within sports and some of the um, the misnomers and and ideas that go into the, the some of the discriminatory practices that have been implemented against uh, against the community over the years. Um, I know 
Dawn had a great piece go up, kind of turning the tables a bit to show, like, what if straight athletes were the ones that had to face the ridicule, um, both in and out of sports. And, you know, Alex, he put out a really good one about, uh, you know, this, what if the media didn't treat um, having homosexual or having LGBTQ athletes in the locker room as this quote-unquote media circus sort of thing. And I know we've got a few more coming out um, over the, the week, uh, including one that I'm very excited for on Friday from Ken Schultz. Um, but, oh, and I can't I can't do this without leaving out uh, co-founder Jim Buzinski putting out a really interesting piece about the tuck rule, um, the infamous Tom Brady tuck rule. Um, that game still haunts my memories <laughs> at times. Um, but I put out one um, yesterday um, looking at what if WWE openly acknowledged LGBTQ identities on their programming. And um, it's gotten some awesome response, and it was one that was very personal to me. I think I might have put a little bit more anger <laughs> into that one. Um, but anger with direction uh, can be a powerful tool. And I felt very powerful um, pinning that one. Um, so I encourage you to read that as well as all the other what if posts that we have going up. As well as just just go read everything on Outsports.com. It's all great. It's all good. Um, and I thoroughly enjoy it. And if I enjoy it, I'm sure you will as well. Uh, but that is going to do it for us here at LGBT in the Ring this week. We'll be back next week with another show for you. Um, but I do have to say some thank yous here before we sign off for good this week. Um, so first off, big thank you to Daniel Quasar for the Progress Pride flag design that we use in our logo. The Progress Pride flag design by Daniel Quasar is a product of Progress Initiative. You can find out more at quasar.digital. And of course, big Big thank you to Sarah in the Safe Word for our show's theme song, Formula 666. That's off the album Red Hot and Holy. You can find them on Twitter at STSW Band, and you can check out their music on Spotify and Sarah in the Safe Word.bandcamp.com. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at WonderboyOTM. You can follow the show on Twitter at LGBT Ring Pod. And if you are into video games, I do host a gaming news podcast every Monday night, 8, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. It is called the Mr. Video Game Super, Super Show. I can't believe I almost butchered the name of my own gaming show. <laughs> um, but it's it's usually like an hour and a half to two hours of fun with me and a couple of close friends and Twitch streamers, um, Slacker Kite and Lady Merowyn. We just run through the week's gaming news, um, kind of touch on things and just have fun with it while also um, really digging into the, the critique and analysis of whatever gaming-wise has happened in the past seven days. Um, so you can check that out at twitch.tv slash deadsunentertainment. Uh, sun like the star, not like the child. Every Monday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Um, it's always a hoot. Um, but with that being said, we will bid you adieu for this week. Um, but until next week, stay messy. Y'all wash your hands, please. <laughs> Keep washing them. Not done yet. I know we got protests happening out at Seaside, Oregon this weekend. I Wash your hands. This is not over. And we'll see you next week. Everybody Bye.